Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I believe with all of my heart that most Christians and most people want to pray, they just don't know how to. It's not that we're lazy. It's not that we don't want to. It's just that if we're honest, we we don't know how to. And that's cool. And that actually puts us in good company because even the disciples, those that hung with Jesus, they actually said to Jesus on one occasion, "Uh, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? We know we should, we just don't know how to. So can you help us with the how-tos when it comes to pray? Uh, which kind of gave me the thought of our series title, which is what to say when you pray. Now, we're not here to try to prescribe to you how you must pray or what it is you must say, but these are just patterns to help us whenever we get stuck because I believe in the power of prayer. In actual fact, prior to this church starting, we met together as a group to pray. Uh, We prayed for a couple of years before the church even was birthed and we had a prayer meeting every week. And uh, I believe in prayer. I don't believe this church would have existed if it was not for the prayer that went into it before it was even uh, before our very eyes. And so I, I believe in prayer. And I don't believe it's something that we should do once upon a time. It's something that we should do on a regular daily basis. And so this series is all about trying to cultivate and stir us to action when it comes to prayer. And uh, just this week, we've had three days dedicated to time of prayer and fasting. What does prayer do? Prayer connects us to God. Fasting disconnects us from the world. And we've had an incredible time of connecting with God and disconnecting from the world. And uh, I I believe what we saw this morning and what we're seeing tonight is a result of some of those prayers coming to pass. And so I look forward to an incredible future. I mentioned that our church is almost 25 years of age, but here's the cool thing. Not only do we have wisdom and experience, but we also have youth and we have energy. And I believe like we're just, I feel like we're just starting. I don't feel like that old fuddy-duddy guy burnt out and miserable because a few people upset me over the years. I want to be bigger than that. And in actual fact, you can't do Christianity without a few people upsetting you along the way. And we've just got to be bigger than the people pain that comes our way. And that's why I'm a believer in prayer, because without prayer, we're going to be crushed by the opposition and the pain and the hurt that comes our way. But with a good prayer life, and that's what this series is about, it's about putting the life back into our prayer life. I mean, if there's no life, it's not a prayer life, it's just prayer. Less life, you know, but we want to, we want it to be life filled prayer life, amen. So, tonight we're going to look at the prayer of David. Everyone say, David. David. And before I get into it, I want to ask you this one question because it's a real important question. The question goes like this Why should God answer our prayers? We need to know the answer to this question Why should God answer our prayers? I think a lot of us think God should answer my prayers because I went to church. Or God should answer my prayers because I read my Bible. Or God should answer my prayers because as that bucket went by, I put some money in it. And so God should answer my prayers. And I'm here to tell you, if that's how you're thinking, we are thinking wrong. God does not, nor should not answer our prayers because of those things. God doesn't answer any of our prayers based on you. And this is the good news. God bases the answer to all of His prayers based on Him not us. 
This is the good news. He bases his prayers or the answer to prayer based on his character and his nature. And that's why it's so important that you and I understand the names of God when we are praying. You see, the Bible says, or one of the commandments says, do not use the Lord's name in vain. And we often think that means you shouldn't swear. You shouldn't use the Lord's name as a swear word. And yeah, I'm sure it involves that, but it's more than that. We use the Lord's name in vain when we cheapen His name and take away the power of that name. See, there is power in His name. And when we just use His name flippantly, we rob ourselves of the power that is in that name. And so when we refer to God as the man upstairs, we, we minimise the power of God. He's not just the man upstairs. He's holy, He's mighty, He's magnificent, He's strong, He's powerful. He's not just the man upstairs. And so we've got to be careful that we're not flippant when it comes to our use of the Name of God. Hence why the Bible says not to use the Lord's Name in vain. Why? Because it's going to rob you of the power that's available to you. Amen. Are you with me? Because there's power in His Name. The Bible says that God gave Jesus a name that's above every other name, that at the Name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue confess that He is Lord in heaven, under the earth and everywhere. God is all-powerful God. Are you with me? And so uh, according to the Scriptures, there are eight covenant or redemptive names of God in the Old Testament and you'll see them in the New Testament. And uh, I did a series on the redemptive names of God way back in 2010 and you can look in the archives and have a listen to those afresh. But I just want to look at quickly all those names again because all of those names again appear in one little psalm. And this one little psalm can help you develop an incredible pattern for your life when it comes to pray. And when we're finished at the end of this service, this is a prayer that you can pray in 20 seconds. These these eight names, you can pray in 20 seconds or you can take a little bit more time and, and use these eight names to pray for 20 minutes or you can use these eight names and pray all day if you like. But this is what's so powerful about these patterns that we've been looking at. They are for you to be able to use when you're at work, when you're at school, when you're at university because that's when we need to pray the most. I'm sure you would agree. Amen. Fan. Fantastic. So the psalm is a very well-known psalm. Many of us would know it, some may not, but it's Psalm 23. And it was a psalm that was written by David. David was a young man who was a shepherd looking after his father's sheep. And he was that young guy that took on that massive giant Goliath. And he wrote many of the psalms. And this is one psalm that's become very well-known to many. And it says this, Psalm 23 It's just six verses. You ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me along the right path for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your calf, your staff, comfort me, your calf. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Verse 6, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. These eight redemptive names of God are found in this little psalm. And we're going to look at all of those names very quickly tonight. And I trust it will empower and strengthen your prayer life. It starts with this in Psalm 23 verse 1. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. And the word shepherd is from the Hebrew word Jehovah Ra, R-A-A-H. And it simply means this, you are my pastor. Isn't that cool? You are my shepherd. Shepherd is the word for pastor. You are my pastor. And, and I love the language it's using. It doesn't say you are uh, Leone's pastor or, or you are George's pastor. It says you are my pastor. You are my part. It's personal. It's personal. He knows you intimately. Every person needs a pastor. I'm a pastor of a church, but I need a pastor. And I thank God that I have people in my world that can pastor me in my darkest times. I'm grateful for Paul Diong, who's a man who I can go to and receive pastoral care and pastoral insight and pastoral leadership. I thank you for Danny Guglamucci. I thank you for these men in my life. But I want you to know I have one I can go to and he is my pastor. And, and, and he is your pastor. He's the one who cares for you. He, he's the one who leads you and he's the one who feeds you. As a pastor of a local church, my job is to lead you. And that's why we do series. And, and through these series, we bring uh, measures of teaching that will lead you through situations and circumstances and equip you for life. But also my role is to feed you and bring a balanced diet of worship and the Word. And that's the role of God, our pastor. He wants to lead you and He wants to feed you. God is the ultimate pastor who leads us and He feeds us. And when we're praying, our prayers can be as simple as this. Father, I thank You that You are my pastor who leads me and feeds me. I thank You that You're the one who, who gives me care and You're the one who gives me guidance and You're the one who's able to be there for me. I thank You for that. Yeah. Firstly, He's our pastor. Then it goes on to say, I shall not want. I shall not want. In other words, number two, He is our provider. He's not only our pastor, but He's also our provider. The word provider in the Hebrew is Jehovah Jireh. And many of the people in this room who are my age and older remember the old song that we used to sing about Jehovah Jireh. And I'm not going to repeat it, but, but uh, it brings back some memories, I'm sure you would agree. In other words, He supplies my every need. We can trust God to provide. In other words, we don't have to be our own provider. We can trust God that He will provide us for the things that we need in our lives. And this can prompt us to greater levels and greater specifics when it comes to pray. I thank You that You're my pastor, that You lead me and that You feed me. And I thank You that You're not only my pastor, but that You are my provider. And You're the one who supplies all my needs according to Your riches in glory. Can you see how important it is that we know the name of God because it changes the way we pray. If we don't know the names of God, we're just going to ask things uh, based upon us and me and my. But when we know Him, it changes the way we pray. He's our pastor and He's our provider. Thirdly, it says, He makes me lay down in green pastures. 
He leads me besides still waters. In other words, he's not only our pastor, he's not only our provider, but he's also our peace. The Hebrew word is Jehovah Shalom. He's my peace. I love it. It says he makes me lay down. You know, if we won't listen to his small, still voice and, and we just busy ourselves so much, God has an incredible way of making us lay down. You know, we, we kind of overdo it. We get sick. Our body gets run down. Uh, we get cold sores. We get flickering eyes. We, we end up coughing and then all these kind of things. And God has an incredible way of getting our attention. Say, guys, you just need to relax. He wants to lead us beside still waters because he's our peace. And many people are looking for this peace in, in the bottom of a bottle or uh, by injecting drugs into their system because they say, you don't need those things. God wants to be your peace. And, and we spoke more about that recently in one of our services just gone. But he's the one who's the Prince of Peace, according to Isaiah. There's so much stress in our lives. We're stressed for work and there's stress when it comes to money. There's stress when it comes to family. I mean, we're going into the Christmas period and we're going to be buying presents with money we don't have for people we don't like. The stress. The stress we're going to put on ourselves. And, and, and God is the one who wants to bring us peace. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Better to have one handful of tranqu uh, with tranquility than two handfuls with toil. Yeah. See, worldly thinking is two handfuls is better than one handful. Two is always better than one. But sometimes God is saying more is just more. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's better to have less. And sometimes less is more. Yeah. And God wants to teach us His ways and, and bring peace into our life. He's the God of peace. He's the one who will quieten our soul. And our prayer can be, thank you, Lord, that you're my peace and you bring rest in every situation. Is this helpful? Can this help your prayer language go to another level? We thank you that you're my pastor, that you lead me and you feed me. I thank you that you're my provider, that you supply every one of my needs according to your riches in glory. And it doesn't matter how stressful life may be, you are my peace and you lead me beside the still waters. Isn't that awesome? It goes on in the psalm, it says, He restores my soul. In other words, number four, he is my healer, which is Jehovah Rapha, R-A-F-A. How's this? Restore means to return to the place of origin. When it comes to our health, he wants to bring it back to its original place. When it comes to our marriages, our marriages may be on the rocks. You may be struggling right now in a relationship. God wants to get in the middle of that relationship and bring it back to its original order. We have a God who restores. And that's why for me, nothing is too far gone. God has the incredible ability to restore that which is broken and bring it back to its original form. Isn't that good news? We have this God who is our healer. God wants to do a work in your life and bring you back uh, everything that the devil has stolen. Yeah. He's the God who physically heals. 
contrary to popular belief, God heals today. To the day I go and be with Jesus, I'm going to pray for people and I'm going to believe that God heals. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation, our God is a God who brings physical healing today and I will die believing that because I've seen it over and over and over again in my own life with my own eyes. Some might say, but, but there are people we've prayed for and they've died and there are people who've prayed for and things have got worse. And that is also true. That is also true. But it doesn't weaken my faith that God still can heal. But you know what? The reality is this body, this temple that we live in, every one of us, we're all gonna, it's all going to go back to the ground. And so physical healing is, isn't the biggest miracle. God wants to do the work inside of us and restore not just our bodies, but our souls. And sometimes a sick soul is far worse than a sick body. We're dealing with people's sick souls all the time. And the good news is that God can heal a sick soul. Are you with me? And I want to see that happen in your life. You know, one of the reasons that we have connect groups is an opportunity for us to get together in smaller groups where, where we can actually uh, talk to one another about the things that we are going through. As good as this meeting is, th- this is an opportunity for me to share from the Word of God, but in small groups, it's an opportunity for us to share one to another. It's where we can confess our sins and get healing. It's where we can ask for prayer and stand together. As the church gets larger, it must also get smaller. And so if you're feeling disconnected and the church is getting too big and, and we've got another campus and you don't feel like you fit in anymore, you know what? Get involved in a small group. Because it's there you can experience the love and the connection that takes place in those smaller groups. Are you with me? I'm so grateful to God that He's not only my pastor and my provider and He's my peace, but He's also my healer. And my prayer regularly is, God, I thank You that You are my healer, that You heal me body, soul and spirit that there's not one part of my being that you don't have access to and you're able to restore my soul. You're able to restore my body. You're able to restore my mind. Is this good news? Is this going to change your life? Is this going to bring life to your prayer life? I hope so. Number five, it goes on and it says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. In other words, number five is He's my righteousness, which is Jehovah Sitkenu with a silent T. So write that down. For the, and you just bring it out at a party. Fun fact, Sitkenu starts with a silent T. It's just one of those things you can throw out at a party. It just be awesome. But He's my righteousness. In other words, He makes me right. For all my wrongs in my life, the blood of Jesus makes me right again. I get access to the throne room of grace, not because of my rightness. Oh my goodness me, I failed so many times, but His blood makes me right. He forgives me of all of my sins, past, present and future, once and for all. And if I would confess my sins, He is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. And He remembers them no more. And I can approach the throne of grace again with great boldness and confidence, knowing that Jesus has made me right, that I have right standing with God through Jesus Christ, that all of my sins have been washed away and I have this boldness and confidence to be able to pray again, 
Some of us struggle to pray because we don't feel worthy to pray. Here's the truth. You're not worthy. You never will be. But for God. But God. Let me say that again. You'll never be worthy. You'll never be good enough. But God. Don't you love God's but? I mean, come on. But God, He changes everything. He makes us right. He gives us right standing with God. And it says that He makes the path of righteousness. In other words, He helps us to go through a path. All of us know that there is a path of right and wrong. And we know that because sometimes we've chosen the wrong path. Would that be fair to say? And so what this is saying is not only does He make us right, but He enables us to choose a path that is right. And so when we're faced with a moral dilemma, we have the opportunity and the strength to be able to choose what is right and it can change the way we pray. One of my constant prayers is, Father, I want to thank You for the righteousness that I have in Christ Jesus through no work of my own. I'm made right because of You. And today I want to live for You. And I pray that You would make my paths right, that You will show me right from wrong and You'll give me the strength to make the right choices. Isn't that good? See, we are on the winning side. And this is good news. And I thank God that He has made us right with Him again. David's psalm goes on. It says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of evil or the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Number six, he's my constant companion. Jehovah Shammah. S-H-A-M-A. Shammah. He is my constant companion. The word means he is there. That's his name. Hi there. (laughs) When we say hi there, we're talking to God. He's there. That's just who he is. He, he's omnipresent. He's, 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 he's there and he's there and he's there and he's there. He's everywhere. He's there. Where you be, God is. He's there. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He's with you everywhere that you go. He's just there. He's your constant companion. And that's good news. I remember when I was in hospital, and I've told many different stories about being in hospital, but uh, I was in hospital for three weeks with a blood infection and because of the drugs and one thing and another there was a few dark days and, and I remember the drugs and I really struggled to sleep and I, I hated the night time uh, because just, it just terrified me just this, this kind of like the drugs and the dreams it's just like weird I remember one night waking up feeling I was being choked to death it's just weird hallucinating just crazy and I said to Kath I said, can you get some of the guys just to stay with me overnight which doesn't sound too manly I know but uh, Thankfully, I had some people who saw past my weakness and, and uh, were able to be there. And, and there were three guys over three nights that stayed. The first night, Dan McGaw stayed, and I'm so grateful for him. And, and then uh, Andre stayed the second night, and then Benno stayed the third night. Now, it didn't take away the pain, and it didn't take away the hallucination, but just knowing someone was there, it just brought a peace to me. And that's what God wants to do for you, wherever you are, when you're in the exams. And the teacher's saying, don't talk to anyone, don't look at anyone, just look straight ahead, no cheating. God's there. And He can give you a peace to allow that moment not to get the better of you. All you year 12 students, you have God with you. And our prayer is, God, I thank you 
that you're just there. And you'll be there for me tomorrow. And you'll be there for me the next day. I'm so grateful that you are my constant companion. That good news. David's psalm goes on and it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In other words, number seven, you are my defender. Jehovah Nisi, N-I-S-S-I. In other words, when the devil is trying to pick a fight with you, say that you're no good, you're ugly, you're useless, you're a mistake, all those things that the devil tries to do, you can sit at the table and eat and let God fight your battles. Isn't that good? Do you know right now we get to sit in peace here in church while people are defending our nation, people are fighting for our freedom right now, while we get to eat, while we get to drink, while we get to be merry. There are servicemen right now fighting our battles, keeping us safe and keeping this nation free. I'm so grateful for our servicemen and women. And that's a picture. How much more God is fighting our battles. He is our banner He is our defender. He's the one who fights on our behalf. And He's the one who goes before us. And so we don't fight for victory. We fight from a position of victory. When Jesus hung on the cross, He said these words, it is finished. And He meant it, it is finished. And so we don't fight for victory. We fight from a place of victory. Victory would be a great name for church, don't you think? Amen. Come on, band, come up here. We've got one more to do. Whoops, sorry, that's my pack. One more, one more, one more. Psalm 23 goes on and it says, You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. In other words, number eight, you are my sanctifier, Jehovah Makadesh. And it means you anoint me. What what is the anointing? For me, the anointing in simple terms is just a supernatural ability. You're my sanctifier. You're the one who set me apart to do things that I couldn't do in my own strength. I couldn't do in my own patience. I couldn't do in my own wisdom. You find people get under your skin and, and kind of drive you crazy. You ever found someone like that? There's always someone in your life who's like that. Well, God wants to anoint you and set you apart so that you respond differently than anyone else because He's our sanctifier. And what would have driven you to separation, to divorce, to, to saying things and doing things that you'd regret, you can have a peace and you can have a calm and you can have an anointing to do what others can't do in their own strength. I thank God. And it's not just an anointing for you. The Bible says our cup, this anointing, overflows. God doesn't want to just anoint you for you. He wants to anoint you so that you can be a blessing to others. One of the things we just indoctrinated, I'll be honest, we indoctrinated our kids with this thought, you're blessed, kids. But you're not blessed just to be blessed for yourself. You are blessed by God to be a blessing to others. And God wants to bless you but not just so that you can be blessed. He wants you to be so blessed that you overflow and you bless others. Part of us starting this campus down Semaphore has come out of an overflow. It's an overflow. We want, we want to be a blessing to beyond the people just of this community. And we want to be a blessing to a wider community. We want to be a blessing. God has anointed me to preach tonight. 
And what I'm giving out is the overflow. I'm giving something to you tonight. God's anointed me to do that. And He's anointed you to do the same. And so as we've sat there receiving today, you can actually give this to someone else. Because your cup overflows. And our prayer is, I thank you that you're my sanctifier who set me apart to do something special, to make a difference in this world, to not just be average, not just be normal, but to be above average, to be supernatural and not just natural. It's not normal. It's not normal to be leading a church for as long as I have and and to be this passionate. It's not normal. I know that because I don't see a lot of it. It's not normal. I'm not normal. I've been told that my whole life. But I knew that already because the Bible tells me that. You're not normal. Who wants to be normal? Normal's overrated. Who wants to just blend in? God wants you to stand out. And He anoints you so that you can stand out. You can make a difference in your university, in your school, in your workplace. Don't just blend in but you can make a difference. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you made me different, that I'm not like everyone else, that you set me apart, that you've made me special. I'm unique, and I've got a special job to do. We have a real passion to help people find their God's shape in life because you'll never be more fulfilled than when you function out of your God's shape and that you live making a difference and helping other people. This little pattern, I trust and pray, can help you. When we approach God by recognising who He is, it can change the way we pray. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.